So this morning I'd like to offer another way of looking practice um, that follows on from uh, the Anicca practice and also from um, some of the teachings we've been exploring uh, around dukkha and clinging. And we call this, um, so if yesterday was an Anicca way of looking, today is a dukkha way of looking. And so we're in this practice, um, we're building on the Anicca practice, uh, but we're going kind of directly to the contraction that is arising with dukkha, right? When there's dukkha, there is contraction. And it may kind of feel like, you know, even saying that, you know, practicing looking at looking at dukkha, yeah, as a as a way of bringing release, um, or using dukkha as a way of looking, as a way of bringing release. That can seem um, quite grim. <laughs> And yet, when we think about dukkha as the unreliability of things, yeah, the unreliability of things, or the fact that um, what it points to in this particular practice is that um, things cannot give us lasting satisfaction in the way that we um, expect them to or in the way that we would like them to. And so uh, we can kind of ponder that and actually explore in our own experience, does that actually bring a lightness? Does that actually bring a sense of relief and release? Um, And maybe even happiness. Yeah, maybe even happiness. So as I was um, as I was saying yesterday, we can see in our own experience that uh, when we get what we want, or when we get rid of what we don't want, um, there is some degree of relief or a form of happiness that arises, and that sense of ease or relief or happiness is actually to do with the release of the of the clinging and the craving. Yeah, that's kind of what is happening. So it's less to do with getting the thing, getting what we want or getting rid of what we don't want. It's more around the ease and the release of that contraction that brings a sense of of happiness. And what we're doing with these ways of looking practices, and particularly with this one today, with the dukkha way of looking, is that we are kind of going directly <laughs> to that release. Yeah. Not dependent on the external or internal <coughs> object or phenomena that we want or we don't want. Yeah, we're going directly to that release, to that release of the craving and the clinging. And you may have experienced this already. I know some people have because it came up in the group with the Anicca practice. Yeah. 
You may have experienced that, a sense of, ah, you know, there's something about the change in the relationship which eases the contraction, releases the craving. And that brings a sense of well-being, a sense of ease, which is um, typically deeper, yeah, more sustained than the kind of um, pleasure that we get from, from things. And part of that is letting go of that need to get happiness <laughs> from things. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting kind of cycle. Yeah, it's kind of when we release, when we let go of the need to get something or to get rid of it, that in itself um, brings more ease and happiness. Yeah, just the letting go of that, of that contraction, of that push-pull. And another way of saying it is as we, as the levels of the demand that we have of life, yeah, the level of the demand of the preference that we have around life, as that goes down, it actually opens up uh, the space for more well-being and more happiness um, to arise. Does that make sense to people so far? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm asking because it's not a. It's not easy stuff. Right? It's not simple. <laughs> not basic. Like we understand it. I think we can really understand it when we look at our experience. But it's also quite complex. So with the dukkha way of looking, um, there's kind of a, a few different um, angles we can explore it from. And I'll, I'll just mention them, and then the the invitation will be to um, feel which one kind of feels most applicable for you, and just then just work with that one. Um, yeah, and we'll also do it as a guided practice, so you'll have an opportunity to, to taste it a little bit for you. So the first one, the first way of practicing, first way of looking, practice with dukkha is... Um, is actually really a continuation of the Anicca practice. So we see phenomena and we um, kind of open to the fact that this is unreliable or unsatisfactory because it is imp- impermanent, yeah. because of Anicca. So it's actually very similar to the Anicca practice. It just has a slightly different touch there. But it does what the Anicca practice does. So say there's a pain in the body, and we just see that as, ah, this is unreliable or unsatisfactory because it is impermanent, yeah, because it is changing. Yeah, we see that. Or, you know, we have a, you know, a a craving, a desire arises for a cup of tea. (laughs) And even as we're going to make the cup of tea, it doesn't necessarily mean we don't go and do it. But we can we can feel. Like, can we see? Yeah. That this is unreliable. Yeah, because it is impermanent. Because it is changing. Yeah. Because a cup of tea won't give me lasting satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. And a cup of tea is a great example, you know, because it's got to be just right. Isn't it? <laughs> too much milk. Tea bag in there too long or too little, you know, or then, you know, just that sweet spot when it's still hot enough, but it's not, not gone cold yet. 
<laughs> we can really, you know, we know that in our own experience, yeah? It's not like the, the actual moment of satisfaction is, is quite fleeting, yeah? And just like with the, with the broken glass yesterday, you know, it's the same thing. It doesn't mean we don't enjoy it. It doesn't mean we don't, you know, care for ourselves and that cup of tea as we're having it. But we're interested to see uh, what happens to experience when I see it through this lens. Yeah, that, ultimately this is not um, not reliable in the way that I take it to be. So if you, if you were using the gentle noting yesterday, um, or you want to use it today, it would be like, ah, dukkha, or unreliable, unsatisfactory, and then a slight, kind of a very quiet addition, because it is impermanent, because of anicca. So that's one way of, of practicing with dukkha as a way of looking. Um, the second way is really relates to, and I have in the notes here, it says, you should say this title, <laughs> lest I forget. <laughs> so it really goes directly to the contraction. Yeah, craving is dukkha, dukkha is contraction. Yeah. Working directly with the contraction that is there. Yeah. When there's dukkha. Or even when, there, when we don't knowingly know there's dukkha. Actually there is dukkha because there is contraction. So the contraction can either manifest in the body. Yeah, it can be more grossly manifest in the body as a more kind of uh, obvious tension, physical tension or contraction. It can be more subtle in the body, in what we might call the energy body. So we can feel it within the sensitivity to the field of awareness. We can feel a sense of contraction or narrowing down. Um, and it can also be um, in awareness. So you may have noticed this already. This happens particularly around negative things. But awareness has this tendency to contract, to get small around the negative, around the unpleasant. Yeah. But the same thing also happens um, when there's craving around the pleasant. So the, the sense of awareness, we can become sensitive to it. Sometimes it feels quite wide and expansive. Sometimes it feels um, quite narrow and tight and limited. And this is part of what we can notice and we can work with. Typically, it's easier to work with the body. And that's why I would um, recommend to begin. But just to also point out that the awareness, the, the kind of the knowing capacity, the knowing sensitivity that we have, also shrinks and contracts around phenomena. So a second um, expression of this dukkha way of looking would be dukkha, unreliable, unsatisfactory, because of the contraction. Yeah. And, yeah. And that can be, um, or another way of doing this without the noting, is just to notice the contraction in the body, either gross, more gross, more subtle, um, or in the space of awareness. And then to work, we're going back to the first day, we work with relax. Yeah. And we see what happens yeah, when I relax that contraction. Yeah, when I relax... Um, that sense of narrowing down or tension. 
So that can happen of itself when we just notice, when we apply the way of looking, or we can bring that in a little bit more. So this is kind of 2A and 2B. <laughs> if the first was dukkha because of because it is impermanent, and the second dukkha because of the contraction. Um, so it can be um, just seeing the contraction and then seeing, in that seeing, some release will come. And it can be seeing the contraction and inviting that contraction to relax and to ease. And as we do this, we can really see in our own experience the relationship between mind and body, how they mirror each other, how they mirror each other. So if, as we relax craving, yeah, if we're using kind of more than noting, and the craving relaxes, then we can pay attention to what happens in the body and see that the body will also relax. Yeah. And the opposite, if we relax the body, we can pay attention to what happens to the craving in the mind, yeah. a sense of contractedness in the mind. And something else we can see as we do this practice is we can see the spectrum. Um, The stronger the craving, the stronger the contraction, and the more dukkha there will be. So the craving here, just reminding the push and the pull, the pushing away of things and the pulling things towards us both are included in that word, in the craving and the clinging. The stronger the craving, the stronger the contraction, the stronger the dukkha. And if one goes down, the others will go down. And of course, with all of that, the sense of self also is part of that um, four-part harmony, we can say. Yeah. So the more craving, the more contraction, the more dukkha, the stronger the sense of self. Like the sense of self kind of eases out, out, so does the dukkha, so does the contraction, so does the craving. Yeah, they all mutually depend on each other. They all arise together and um, kind of loosen together. And it's really, it's a spectrum that we're on. Yeah, it's a spectrum that we're on. And part of why seeing this as a spectrum is, is really helpful um, is because, you know, all of these, or certainly the sense of self, um, has its uses, right? It's what keeps us functioning in the world. So it's not necessarily something we are wanting to get rid of completely. Um, it's more about noticing how it arises and the degrees of skillfulness with it, right? And holding it very, very lightly. Yeah, holding it very, very lightly. So, like with the Nietzsche and Vedana practices, um, we are still prioritizing them alongside what we're calling the Samatha practices, the gathering, calming, collecting practices, which are the breath, the body, and the metta. Okay? 
So we call the breath, body, metta, um, the calming, gathering, samatha practices, and then the Vedana, Anicca, and Dukkha are what we'll call ways of looking or insight practices. And so we still want to keep those in balance. You know, we need enough calm and gatheredness and kind of a sense of resource in the being uh, to engage well with the ways of looking practices, with the insight practices. So um, a kind of general guideline would be about 50-50 of the time, 50%, 50%. Half the time. 50-50 is a biscuit in India, by the way. I just realized I said that, and it was like 50-50 to me. It's such a normal thing. 50% sugar, 50% salt. Um, is the, why it's called 50-50. But, um, yeah, half the time, half the time, with calmness, samatha, and um, insight. And that means more or less, obviously, so you don't need to get into to uh, intense a measuring um, process with it. But it either means alternating, so doing some sitting, sits and walks, samatha, some um, vipassana insight, or um, if it feels better than in the same sitting or same walking period, around half and half. So feel for yourself how you want to do it, but just making sure there's, there's enough um, of the of the samatha uh, practices in there, and if it feels for you that you need more of those, then do more. Yeah, there's no hierarchy, there's no push. This is just general guidelines um, of around half half. And as we've been saying, generally with all these practices, you know, if it feels like you've got enough to work with, then you just listen <laughs> to this session and you keep working with what's already uh, working for you. Yeah, you keep using the practices that work for you. Um, you don't need to, to kind of keep up um, with what we're offering. Uh, but this is just another practice that you, that you can try. So maybe I'll just say one more kind of variation, light variation on on dukkha way of looking um, would be um, actually in the attitude. So having an attitude of welcoming experience, um, of just welcoming experience of non-preference, which if you try this out, you'll see that if you have that attitude it's difficult to contract. Yeah. If we just kind of, I always have this image of an open hand. If the whole being is like an open hand receiving experience, um, contraction's quite tricky to, to manifest. Um, or when it does begin to manifest, we actually feel it. Yeah. So then we can then gently work with that as it arises. So that can be another way of working with contraction. So maybe one last thing I hope to say about this practice. Um, sometimes if you're working particularly with, the, with something that's got a little bit of intensity to it, either um, a in, w- relatively intense unpleasant thing or a relatively intense 
pleasant thing that you're really kind of being pulled towards. Um, there may be a sense of, oh, I'm doing the practice, I'm seeing it as dukkha, and seeing it as unsatisfactory or changing, or I'm relaxing the contraction, but it's not, nothing's happening. <laughs> nothing's happening, it's not working. Um, and sometimes that can be because we're engaged in, in what we call deal-making on quite a subtle level. So um, deal-making is kind of like subconsciously we're, we're saying to, say, the pain in the body or the cup of tea that's beckoning us. We're saying, okay, I'm going to do the practice. I'm going to see you as, um, as unsatisfactory so that, you know, if it's the pain, so that you'll go away. Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing you this way. You know, I'm making kind of deal or I'm, I'm going to allow you, I'm going to welcome you so that you go away. So there's a subtle rejection or resistance in there, in, in that deal-making. Um, and when, if we notice that, then smiling is really helpful. <laughs> That's why I kind of I like this, the deal-making. We can see ourselves as kind of a wheeler-dealer, shady character, making deals with our experience, um, which we do quite a lot. Um, and, and we can see that and, and kind of say, ah, can I just relax with that? Yeah, can I just relax with that? That's what's happening. And with this subtle form of resistance, it's actually feeding rather than releasing um, the contraction and the craving. So we, we kind of can use that as an opportunity to actually deepen our understanding. Like we see the mechanism more clearly. Um, and sometimes... Um, the, the language here, and this connects again to this open hand, the receptivity, the welcoming, um, the language here can really help. So if we're using um, letting go of something, if we change it to letting be, letting something be there. So you, the pain or the desire for the tea, you can be there. Yeah, I'm just going to let you be. Yeah, just let you be there in the space. And see what happens when we when we make that shift. And when I speak about this letting be or the open hand or the welcoming, um, this is very much a meta attitude. Okay, so we can see it as another form of meta practice, um, which doesn't necessarily use the phrases. It can do if if you if that's helpful, um, but it's really just about having that attitude of friendliness of welcoming of receptivity, um, of non-preference towards experience. Okay. So that's the, the introduction, and let's have some time to practice. So if you need to stretch any part of the body... Before you settle into your posture, then you're welcome to.
then when you're ready, settling into your posture, establishing the posture. Letting the body settle into the posture and the awareness settle into the body. If it's helpful, using the sensations of contact, the body with the seat and with the ground. As a way of stabilizing and grounding awareness in the body. As you let the awareness spread through the body, finding the balance between uprightness and ease in the posture. And letting the awareness be quite wide open in the body, in the field of the body. So keeping the awareness with the body or the breathing. Gently stabilizing, calming, collecting, gathering.
the practice for the next few minutes. It'll be whenever something arises in awareness, that's not the object of your meditation. Be a body sensation or a sound. Mental image. Whenever something like that arises, just noticing if there's contraction in the body, more gross or more subtle. Seeing if you can release that contraction to some degree through tuning in to the anicca, the inconstant nature of that phenomena. Tuning in to that moment-to-moment change. If it's helpful, using a delicate light noting dukkha or unreliable because it is changing because of anicca.
steady in the breath or the body. Whenever phenomena arises in awareness, that's not the object of your meditation. Turning to it with this dukkha way of looking. Tuning into its changing nature. And seeing if that eases any sense of contraction. going to change modes a little bit. Still primarily breath or body. But when something arises, a phenomena arises in awareness, like the light changing now in the room. Notice it and see if there's any contraction around it. Inviting the bodily contraction to relax. (coughs) And seeing what happens as we do that dukkha because of the contraction. What happens to any sense of clinging, craving, or unease? Noticing if the contraction is more subtle, delicate, or more gross. What happens if we invite the body 
to relax. Whenever you notice contraction, gently inviting it to open, to loosen, to relax as you relax the body. As you soften awareness. And then gently shifting modes again. Just opening out awareness to welcome and receive experience. So welcoming, receiving the breath or the body sense as your primary object of meditation. and then expanding that welcoming 
and receptive attitude to whatever arises, allowing phenomena to arise and to pass, relaxing into an open-handed receptivity. welcoming, receiving experience, awareness open and wide.
allowing phenomena to arise, be known and pass through the field of awareness.